Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about fallout money. We also have some big news. We know the name, the Contracting Officer Podcast, has confused people for years. Even though many of our listeners are contracting officers, and Kevin and I were contracting officers, the podcast is really speaking to the entire government acquisition world. So be prepared, before long, we're going to update the name of the podcast. Same kind of topics, same flow, just a new name that better describes what we talk about here on the podcast. All right, let's get this one started. The question that drove this podcast came from a member in the Skyway community. It goes something like this. In midsummer, we hear direction to go out there and get end-of-year money added to our contracts. How do we do that? I'm presuming that this is additional funding added to existing contracts, but how does it happen? We've talked about like fiscal rules about government contracts and, and the end of year money, and it's often called fallout money in, in other episodes, but we never really talked about what specifically happens to cause it to fall out. Before we get into that, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Bethany Burton from Evergreen Fire and Security. She's in the Tacoma, Washington area. I want to thank Bethany for answering a question in our Ask a Contracting Officer forum inside the Skyway community, because while two of our Skyway team members actually answered the question also, Bethany shared her specific experience as a contractor in context of this question. And then I made a screen share video to expand on her recommendation. And just like the podcast, Skyway community gets better when people like Bethany step in and they lean into it. And if you're not a Skyway community member, you're missing out. <laughs> and listen to the end of this episode for the details. All right, back to talking about fallout money. What is fallout money? How does fallout money happen? Gravity. Not gravity. <laughs> not gravity. We're going to stay out of the weeds here and think big picture. And only use big picture terms here. The government has money in this year's budget that hasn't been spent for some reason. Either it's never been obligated to a contract or it's been obligated to a contract but not expended on that contract. And those are kind of big terms, but don't worry about that. The point is there's money that hasn't been spent that has to be spent before the end of the fiscal year. For clarity, obligated, that's the term that's used for having the funds attached to a contract. In other words, that means that it won't disappear at the end of the fiscal year if it's been obligated, if it's been put on contract. That's the goal from the contractor's perspective is get that money obligated on my contract. If it's not obligated to a contract by September 30th, and in some cases, if it's not spent by September 30th, it goes back to the U.S. Treasury and is, is lost in air quotes. Now, that behavior could be rewarded. Hey, you didn't spend all your money. You're thrifty. You did a good job. But it never is. That's not the way it works. <laughs> exactly. That's not how it works. Agencies, organizations, departments, they look at that as lost money. we got to spend it. We have more needs than we're ever going to have money. We're going to find a way to spend this money. So there's a mad spending rush leading up to September 30th. Savvy contractors are standing there ready with big old sacks ready to catch the money that's falling out of the sky. Hence the term fallout money. Yeah, it's not like nuclear radiation fallout. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> it's, that's, a whole that's a whole different metaphor. Let's not, rabbit trail. All right, focus. On to far time, on to far time. 
The FAR is full of guidance, as, as are many other regulations, statutes, full of guidance about managing money. For our purposes today, we chose one paragraph in Part 32, which is contract financing. FAR 32.703-3 is contracts crossing fiscal years. Paragraph A says, A contract that is funded by annual appropriations may not cross fiscal years except in accordance with statutory authorization. And there's a whole bunch of U.S. code sites that are called out that allow you to cross fiscal years, contrary to this guidance here. But big picture, if you have one-year money, you have to use it in that one year. One nuance to this, it talks about this in the rest of the language in that FAR part, is it said, or when the contract calls for an end product that cannot be feasibly subdivided for separate performance in each fiscal year. So if it's something that it's going to take this period of time, which may cross the fiscal year to get it done, that you can, then it can cross the fiscal year. Your point is you can't award part of the money now and a part of the money later. It's got to be on contract before September 30th, even though the performance of the work to actually get that done, that thing that you paid for with those funds can go over the fiscal year. This is that FAR reference that allows for that. So it can cross fiscal years if it cannot be feasibly subdivided for separate performance in each fiscal year. Many agencies do away with the thinking part of it and just say, no, it, one year, it can only go till 30 September and you're done. The point is, fallout money is created here. <laughs> yes, yes, right? At the end of the year when they have money to spend. Time zone talk. Let's link this to the acquisition and execution time zones. On the acquisition side, this is really centered around the RFP zone. This is going to have to be something very quick. You're not going to have time for a source selection. So think of it as doing your market research or the government doing their market research and knowing where they can spend money quickly. And then the RFP zone, they're going to release an RFP and award something very quickly without a long drawn out source selection because there's kind of a scramble here. It's the end of the fiscal year. And the key here is what contract vehicles does the government have available? How, how, what is the acquisition strategy they can use? How can they actually buy this? What is the easiest way for them to spend the money? There you go. And his source selection is not the easiest way. <laughs> no. On the execution time zone side, we're talking about the performance zone. This is a great chance to get money added to your existing contract through a quick engineering change proposal or additional quantities of something that you already have in scope. End of year money doesn't just apply to new contracts. That's why it's in the performance zone. Is that your existing contract? If it's even if it's a base contract, but let's say it has options. If it's a five year contract or a multi year contract. The end of fiscal year has implications throughout that process. So just because it's not new money, a new contract, the end of fiscal year still is a big deal. A lot of the contracts that I managed, a lot of the activity at the end of the fiscal year was using money they had left over to expand the contracts that we already had. Yeah, like we just said, the government's looking for the easiest way to get this money on contract and not lose it, and existing contracts are often the easiest way. And if you're not familiar with the time zones, they're in episode three and episode 84. Let's talk about why this is important. For government folks, you know getting money from Congress is a huge undertaking. This, this starts well before if we're talking 2020 funds, they were thinking about it in 2017 or 2018 in order to get it through the whole process and get those funds for the year 2020. That's why the people who put in the effort to get Congress to give a particular agency the money and the agency doesn't spend it, 
they get kind of cranky because from their perspective, like the people who are managing the budgets, they spent three years getting this money to you and then you didn't do anything with it. That's why they get cranky. And how do you get that money? You start with a requirement. It all starts with a requirement. If the government has fallout money, if they have money at the end of the year, they can't spend it on things that they don't have a requirement for. It starts with the requirement. The government always has more requirements than money. So often there's a cut line where you're not going to get funded unless you're one of the most important things. Unless the most important things aren't on contract and that money's going to go away and then it starts to trickle down to the rest. We talked about the difference between a requirements-driven process and a solutions-driven process and how the government's a requirements-driven process in uh, episode 172. Requirement has to come first. We've also talked about money and requirements in previous episodes when we discuss the bona fide need rule and the Anti-Deficiency Act, it says you, you have to have a requirement. You have to use money that was appropriated for that requirement to satisfy that requirement. You can't just take any money and spend it on anything. It doesn't work that way. The good news is even though you have a defined requirement, it's usually loosely defined enough that you have some wide latitude to, to connect the funding dots at the end of the fiscal year. You probably always have that latitude. It's just... It just seems like it, it? it seems like it gets wider at the end of the fiscal year as they're scrambling to obligate that money and not lose it. People get a lot more uh, open-minded. One of the contracts I had at the end of the fiscal year, one of the things that they had on the list was to do a study of you know, how much training was going to be required for, for a particular uh, type of, of military personnel. And this was a small project, but it was one that was on the list. And they could show me that it had been on the list since earlier in the year. And so we were, I think it was like, I don't know, $50,000 or something, but it was a contract mod to add this to the contract and it was firm fixed price. And, but that, that was in there. They, so they said, well, this was always been a requirement. It's always been a need. And so they could prove that <laughs> ergo they had bona fide need and we could add that work to the contract. And so that's the wide latitude part. We don't have that conversation in April. We had that conversation, I think it was, was after, after Labor Day. <laughs> so it's like September 9th or something that we're figuring this out. Yeah, some places I've worked, it's been called a UFR, an unfunded requirement, yep. UFR. The government always has more requirements than money. And when they have money, they go to that unfunded requirement list and start spending it. Yeah, we call that a, like a wish list. It's like you and I have our wish list. Tesla is on my wish list. <laughs> Someday I'll get the Tesla. Let's bring this back to focus. Why do end-of-year funds matter? The budget process is very complex. Just getting money appropriated for your requirement is a big deal. Spending money is, it's not an easy process. We, we talked about that on a couple hundred podcast episodes now. It can <laughs> be very difficult. And not spending it is considered bad. You don't get bonus points for saving the government. Well, you get bonus points for saving the government money. You don't get bonus points for not spending money that was already appropriated for a valid need. Yeah, the, the intent is to save money from this bucket so that you can use it on the things below the cut line. That That's the preferred strategy. Yeah, not just let it go to waste or back to Correct. the treasury. From the industry side, it's kind of funny even to say, why do end-of-year funds matter? <laughs> money is hard to get. It's hard to win government contracts. It's hard to expand the scope and the size of your existing contracts. If you understand how this end-of-year money process works, how this fallout money works, you can take advantage of competitors who haven't performed by taking their money. 
if it's on their contract and they haven't spent it yet and the government has goals that they have to spend a certain amount of their money, the government may de-obligate it from their contract and obligate it to your contract. So by performing as expected, you can actually take money away from your non-performing competitors. And that's what I was saying before about how you have contract mods that happen and same office. We were taking, we were de-obligating money off of a contract because they weren't getting it done fast enough. And sure enough, we're putting, it's not, it's new money under the in-scope work. And in this case, it wasn't actually the, that same study for the training. It was, it was products. We we're buying more of the products because, because the special operations guys needed those products. Right. So we're taking money off of here and putting it over here. Now you've run into little scenarios where you can't take research and development money and go buy stuff with it. And we talked about that in episode 19. This, there's, there's a lot of nuance to this, which is why this is a thinking job. But yeah, be, being a good, perform, a well-performing <laughs> contractor is step one to put yourself in a good position to pick up money at the end of the year. Exactly. Don't forget, though, that the money falls to those who are prepared to catch it. I was talking before about savvy contractors standing there with a big sack ready to catch this money. It's not like a rain shower of money coming down across the entire continent. It's a spigot. <laughs> it's a spigot of money. And the smart contractors are there right under the spigot ready to catch it. I mean, that's, that's maybe a stretch of the imagination. But, but think of, of the big prepared smart contractors as the biggest bully on the block. And they're standing there with their sack under the spigot long before the money's going to fall out. They know because they're going to make it fall out of that spigot. If you're not prepared ahead of time for this, you're never going to get anything that falls out. It takes prior preparation. When I bought a car, I was my, one of my first cars in high school, and it was the car dealership. They had the little, it's like a, like a hurricane machine. You go and stand inside it, and there's money on the floor. And then the friend turns on, and you just got to catch his money. And I, I caught like 80 bucks and saved 80 bucks off my $600 car. But, but what's funny is I think people think that's how end of your money happens. And to some extent, by government credit card purchases, small stuff, it does kind of feel like that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking like five, six, seven figure things that are happening at the end of the fiscal year. And, and your point is, there's somebody standing there under a water, um, under a spigot with a little, a, well, potentially small, maybe a large basket trying to catch <laughs> whatever comes out of the spigot. But if you're acting like you're in this wind tunnel trying to just catch money that's flying all over the place, you're, you're not, you're not going to have a very successful end of fiscal year. Exactly. Let's talk about some examples of how this happens. On the product side, think of an end-of-life buy for IT network gear. Think about how every agency has an IT network that is aging out and some of the gear needs to be replaced every year. They have a requirement to keep the system up and running, but they don't have the money to do it as well as they'd like. Well, if there's extra money just laying around at the end of the year that's going to go away, what better use could they think of than, hey, let's update all this gear that is getting near end of life. And, and taxpayer horror stories <laughs> can be birthed in this environment where we literally just got to buy stuff with this, right? So okay. there's, again, there's a, there's a balance there of what that stuff is. But yeah, the end of, end of life buy is a great example. I was in an office once that ended up with all new fancy trash cans for everybody in the office because at the end of the year, there's money left that was available for that kind of purpose for office equipment. And they chose to buy very expensive trash cans to spend the last of their money crazy. 
<laughs> that's how you end up on the nightly news with that one. <laughs> I, I got to say, I wonder who the contracting officer was. It went, really? Trash cans? Okay. They must not have said that. On the services side, it's a little more difficult. It's it's difficult to capitalize on services buys with one-year money because it's only available for requirements in that one year. And if you're at the end of the fiscal year, you don't have a lot of time to spend it on performing services. But there are ways around it. We talked earlier about non-severable services. So you can buy services at the end of the fiscal year if they're non-severable services. So something that's going to take it's going to take less than a year to get it done, you can actually buy. The, perform- the services don't have to be performed before September 30th. So, For example, if there's a special project or, or a white paper or a study of some situation, like I talked about, the, that study of the training, that was that's why that was a fit. That is one clin added to the contract for this one project. It's a service, but it's, gonna, it's not severable. We're not breaking it into like micro steps, right? It's you're doing this project. So that's an area that service contract can be used at the end of the fiscal year for fallout money, in quotes. All this talk has been leading to, what do I do about this? How do I take advantage of fallout money, whether you're government or contractor? The first thing is, make, is learn from this. Make a list of what, what you think your government customers' nice-to-haves are. So you're ready to start talking about them in July or preferably in April of 2020 so that you're ahead of this next year. This is government contracting is a proactive business. The more reactive you are, the more frustrating it is. We talked about that wish list. Think about this as helping the government prepare their wish list well in advance with you at the top of it. So when money falls out, they think of you first. And they think of your contract that you have in place. Exactly. It has scope for that very thing. But you can't drop that on on September 30th and say, hey, I got my, I got my bucket. <laughs> Where's my money? It doesn't work that way. That leads us to your contract. What contract vehicle does this government customer use to spend their end-of-year money? Are you on that contract if it's one of those multiple award things? If not, should you be? And for today, is one of your teammates, is one of the companies that you partner with on that contract. If you don't know what contract your your customer uses, it's difficult for them to use you as a path of least resistance. <laughs> I'll say it that way. It's hard for them to get to you. They have their yeah. hand out for the money, but they can't quite reach you if they don't have the vehicles available. There's not time to make new vehicles. One way to prepare is we actually have the capturing fallout money training that's inside the, the community. So Skyway community members watch the video that, that we created. And watch it again in April of 2020. Get ahead of this stuff. That's the biggest part about end of year money is it's not something you start looking for in the fourth quarter. You're thinking about it ahead of time. If you're not a Skyway community member, go to skywaymember.com. You can join for free for five days and watch the video for now. All right, Kevin, let's wrap this one up. On the government side, understand that to industry, the end of year activities can feel like a black box. To them, it feels like they're inside that wind machine. They're just trying to grab $20 bills out of the sky and and they hear stories of that happening. But a a lot of this is proactive. They feel like it's a jack-in-the-box where things are just popping up randomly. So communicate early with them. Communicate end of your activity, particularly with existing contractors. At times that I had the conversations with my contractors, with the contracts that I was managing, and said, hey, these are some potential things that may come up at the end of the fiscal year. We see them as within scope of your contract, be prepared for them. 
And we could do things like create a contract modification that was already signed based on subject to availability funds that was done in like August. And then if the money dropped in, it's a 10 minute project versus we're all freaking out working until midnight on September 30th. Industry folks remember that some actions happen right at the end of the fiscal year, but most of those, especially the big ones, were underway much earlier. Fallout money falls to those who are prepared. If you start looking for a sack on September 15th, (laughs) you might be too late to get your fallout money sack because other folks were working, like you're saying, in April or July. They were prepping that wish list for the government and helping the government be, be prepared and know which contract vehicles are there and ready to get that money to them into their sack. If you need help with these rules, we can help. Go to skywaymember.com. You get a free five-day trial to the Skyway community, and you can ask your specific questions and get some help. All right, that's it for today. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for today. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywaymember.com. The Skyway community is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, or running a government contracting business. So whether you're just getting your first subcontract or you're a successful government contractor, being a Skyway community member will help you get to the next level. With our extensive course library, weekly and monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, access, and tools, and a supportive and active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement, and advice, the Skyway community is a perfect place for anyone looking to grow as a successful government contractor. Check it out at skywaymember.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.